0: The following message has been brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on the web at trinitybc.org. Open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 7. We are continuing our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Matthew, the life of Christ, recorded under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by the Apostle Matthew. Uh, We have navigated our way through much of what's called the Sermon on the Mount, this first great uh, teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are reaching some of the concluding words this morning. Matthew chapter 7 will be in verses 1 through 6, and then verses 15 through 20. Uh, What we're going to look to this morning in verse 1 is perhaps one of the most misquoted, or rather quoted out of context, Bible verses in all of the Scripture It is a verse that is very well known by many who know very little at all about anything else in the Bible. Uh, But they know these words of Jesus, and they often weaponize these words of Jesus to silence any believer who is speaking up and speaking forth uh, the Word of God, especially in regards to morality, uh, cultural hot topic subjects. For instance, I can remember being back all the way in high school, And the subject of abortion was being debated within the class, and as I was taking a conservative biblical stance on life at conception and the atrocity of what abortion really is, another student voiced this verse. Well, doesn't Jesus also say that you're not to judge lest you be judged? Do not judge lest you be judged, and throughout my lifetime, and as far as premarital sex, as far as adultery even in a situation, as far as homosexuality, even as far as universalism to say, all religions ultimately lead to heaven. I've had people defending that by, if you speak against saying, well, you know, Buddha's not going to get you to heaven. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father but by Him. If you claim an exclusive view of Jesus Christ and what He has accomplished for our salvation, then it's only through Him. I have heard others use this verse to say, well, who are you to judge? Do not judge. Are you going to be judged? They, they quote this verse in such a fashion that this verse would mean that the Christian is unable to discern anything, to, to cast any judgment whatsoever on anything, whether truth or error, whether right or wrong. They propose, Jesus means here, this universal acceptance of everything, of of every teaching, of every lifestyle that we, if we're going to follow this verse, follow this teaching of Christ, must must accept it all and must even celebrate it all. Is this really what Jesus is saying, though? If only we had a lot of verses around it that helped us in context understand exactly what Jesus was talking about. Wouldn't that be helpful we didn't just pull a verse out of context and Take it in isolation and twist it to mean whatever we we want it to mean. Read your Bible in context. Read every verse in light of the verses that surround it, as we will do this morning. Because it helps us understand exactly what was meant and exactly what was not meant. Especially with these words of verse 1, Judge not that ye be not judged. King James raised on it coming out in me there. Verse 2, let's continue reading, verse 2 through 6, and then verses 15 through 20. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite! First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn and tear you in pieces." And go to verse 15. Beware the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. We just do a little bit of careful reading. What follows this command of Jesus to not judge lest you be judged, what we find is that by no means, shape, or form could Jesus be giving a blanket condemnation of all forms of judging. Because following this verse immediately, he speaks of getting the speck out of your brother's eye. Discernment needed there. Judging needed there. We'll talk about it in a moment. He speaks of being careful to to discern, to judge, who are the dogs and who are the pigs. We'll talk about that in a moment. He talks about being warned to to judge even those that are teaching to make sure they're not false prophets. He speaks of judging ourselves and even one another by the fruits that are born in our life. The fruit that is produced. That we can know a tree by its fruit. We can know a person by the, 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 the fruit of their life. The the goodness or the evil, wickedness of of their lives. And so whatever Jesus means here, most definitely he cannot mean that the Christian is never to judge whatsoever in any shape or any fashion and must sort of remove our minds and just be ignorantly accepting and celebrating of all things, of all lifestyles, of all doctrines, of all teachings, of all, all moral issues that are out there. By no means does Jesus mean that. And so then we have to ask, what is it that Jesus does mean? What is it that Jesus is condemning here regarding judgment, judging, and what is it that Jesus is even commanding following the condemnation of this judgment that we judge in this sort of fashion? What I hope we come to see that I convince you of this morning is Jesus is not condemning all judging here. He is condemning a, a, a certain sort of judging, a, a certain sort of of judgmentalism even. It's a judging that is based out of self-righteous, self-exalting, hypocritical, condemning, harsh judgmentalism. And Jesus is actually commending a humble judging, a right judgment that every believer is called to in this broken, sinful world, Uh, 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 Judgment that is based upon humility, that is based upon dependence and obedience to the Word of God. The first sort of judging is evil, is sinful, is condemned by God. The second sort of judgment is necessary for any believer that is truly wanting to live for the Lord, for any believer that is truly following the Lord to be salt and to be light in this light. So I've given two different names to these different types of judging. The first, I've labeled hypocritical judgmentalism, just because it sounds cool. Hypocritical judgmentalism. What did y'all talk about Sunday morning? We talked about hypocritical judgmentalism. It's actually two simple terms. A hypocrite, one who is putting a front on to other people, that, that presents something that they really are not, even expecting others to be something that they themselves are not. And then judgmentalism, to take What is a right judgment and make it harsh and critical and and self-exalting and self-righteous? Hypocritical judgmentalism versus true biblical discernment. A right examination of our own lives, of the life around us, of people around us, speaking forth in humility and in grace and in mercy the truth of God, the light of God into the darkness of what surrounds us day in and day out. Notice, firstly, what we're going to do this morning is just walk through those two different sorts of judgment. One, that that we are condemned to... um, that is condemned that we're not to be about the other, that is exalted that we are to pursue, that we are to follow in our lives. The first of which found in verses 1 through 5, hypocritical judgmentalism. We must avoid it if we want to judge rightly as Jesus is commanding for us to judge here. He says, don't judge in this sort of way. Judge not, lest you be judged. Th- this sort of judgment is a judgment that I've already said is self-righteous. I want to walk back through those, those five characteristics of this sort of judgment. It's self-righteous. It's a judgment that is not as much concerned about the holiness of God it's not so much concerned about true justice being uh, established and accomplished. It's not concerned at all about the word of God and even the blessings that come upon a person or even humanity as a whole as we pursue the will of God. And, and even for human flourishing, God's ways, God's commands are actually best. They're not, they're not what put us down and destroy, uh, destroy us. That's what sin does. It's, it's a heart that's not concerned about the glory of God or the well-being of a person or the well-being of, of humanity as a whole. It's concerned about your own appearance, your own righteousness, your self-righteousness. That if I point out another's faults, it doesn't make my faults look nearly as bad. I, I can make my big faults disappear if I just draw all the attention over to something else that's happening, someone else that's got an issue, and all the limelight, all the eyes get off of me and to them. It's a self-righteous sort of judging. It's a self-exalting sort of judging. It's meant to elevate oneself, even if it means putting others down and, and debasing them and, and being harsh and critical of them. It's it's to, to exalt oneself. Therefore, it's hypocritical. It's, it's demanding of others what you yourself are not. And there's no thought or concern about your own life, about your own standing before the Lord, about judging your own self in light of God's truth. You're just worried about what everybody else is doing. And it's hypocritical in that you often can have pride and arrogance, some of the worst deep-seated sin in your own heart as you condemn external sins that you see that are so obvious before the world around us. The hidden secret sins of your heart go, go totally unjudged by you, go totally ignored by you. Hypocrite. It's a hypocritical sort of judging. It's a condemning sort of judging. It's a judging that ultimately desires the the end of that person, the punishment of that person, the destruction of that person, to make an example, so to speak, out of them. Not desiring redemption, not a discernment and a judgment that is hoping to bring light into the darkness in order that the darkness might be enlightened, but but a, a sort of judgmentalism, a heart and a desire, a spirit that wants to point out, other people's faults and sins so that they may get the wrath of God that they deserve, so that true justice might come down upon them. It it seeks the, the destruction, the condemnation of the person, rather than the salvation of the person, the redemption of the person. That's the sort of judging that Jesus is condemning here. It's a harsh sort of judging. It's not a judging that's rooted in kindness and in grace and in mercy. But it's a critical sort of judging. A judgmentalism that is seeking to find every little fault and make the most of every little fault that is found, that is harsh and that is crude. Maybe you've met a person like this before. Um, It's hard to forget them when you meet them. Maybe, unfortunately, at times we all can sort of be this type of person in our own lives. I read about a young man who had a mother who was very much this way. And he was looking for a wife, and every time he brought a, a, a possible wife home to meet his mother, she would tear the, the, the possible wife up one side and, and down the other with her, her just critical judgments and run every one of them off. And so in his discouragement, finally a friend gave this advice said, Why don't you just find somebody exactly like your mom? Find somebody exactly like your mother and and bring her home. And so he he searched, he searched, and lo and behold, much to his surprise, he found a a woman that was a spitting image of his mother, just a lot younger. She walked like her, she talked like her, she even thought like her. And so he brought her home, and and a few days went by, and and the friend ran into him again and said, Hey, how'd it go? I heard you found this woman that was exactly like your mom. And he said, Man, you wouldn't believe it. My, My mother loves her but my father can't stand her. <laughs> God commands us to avoid this sort of judgmentalism. It's a, you turn into the type of person that nobody wants to be around, that nobody enjoys the fellowship of being with, that nobody truly, <laughs> truly appreciates honestly. It's the type of person that walks into the church house and everybody goes, oh my goodness, here he comes. Oh my goodness, here she comes. Because all that this sort of person likes to do is point out the things that are wrong. Point out the faults in others. Make everything negative. Make everything be doom and gloom. God says do not judge. Why? Because with the same judgment that you judge, you're going to be judged. With the same measure that you use, that measure will be used back at you. I think there's a little bit in here of Jesus meaning you reap what you sow and people are going to treat you like you treat others, but even greater than that is I believe the uh, judgment of God is even in mind here, that, that God will judge that person who is so harsh and critical and not generous and not kind and not gracious and not merciful. When they stand before God, they are going to face that same sort of judgment before God. And the the big grand point that Jesus is leading us to here, even with the log and the speck that we'll see in a moment, is that, that we'll never be able to judge anyone else rightly until we understand the judgment of God that's really upon us. That we will be measured by the Word of God and by the perfect righteousness of Christ. And when we understand that, we realize we all fall short of the glory of God, all have sinned. We realize that we don't, we don't get to heaven in our own merit, by our own works of righteousness. That we're not living the life as a believer that we're living right now because of our works and our, our earning it. We're, we're only where we are and doing what we're doing by the grace of God. And as you think about the condemnation and the judgment that is due upon you, it's only then when you can humble yourselves in light of that, that you really can even begin to speak into another person's life with a right heart, with a right sort of judgment. Uh, A judgment that has truly first examined one's own heart and life before God. A judgment that is first understood, it's only by the grace of God that I am not in the same boat that that person might be in or that person might be in and I can truly speak in a humble brokenness and dependence upon God and dependence upon His Word. Realize with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with what measure you're you're giving to others, it will be measured back to you. And Jesus gives this powerful illustration. You know, picture it. Like picture the imagery Jesus is speaking of here. Imagine a person coming to you and and just fussing and dogging you about this speck that you've got in your eye reaching for your eye right now, it's aggravating your eye you're thinking about a speck in your eye. A speck in your eye is something that is aggravating. It is something that is of a great annoyance, can even cause a lot of pain. Hudson the other day had something in his eye and you would have thought the world was ending because it is aggravating and it does hurt and it makes your eyes water and it's no better when daddy looks at you and says I think we're going to have to cut your eyeball out. It didn't make anything better at that point but you've all had something in your eye. That is an issue. That is something that needs resolved. But if somebody were to come to you, and they had a log, I mean, the picture here, imagine like a two-by-four, gouged into one side of their head, cutting off their vision. Why in the world would you seek that person to come and get the speck out of your eye, the one who's got a plank, a beam sticking out of their own eye? You want somebody that can rightly discern. You want somebody that can rightly judge. There is... There is delicate judgment needed to remove something from someone's eye. You have to judge how, where, first of all, what to sweep out. You don't just sweep out a a blood vein thinking it's a foreign particle. You've got to know and judge what to sweep out of the eye and how hard to press and, and where and how to swipe your finger and hopefully have judgment to wash and sterilize your hands before you go and stick your finger in somebody's eye. You want some good judgment. Nobody wants a blind eye surgeon to operate on their eye. Blind surgeon just singing, you know, what will be, will be as he has a scalpel and goes to do eye surgery. You want somebody that, that can see clearly, that can discern rightly, that has a true judgment of things. Not somebody that's got a beam in their eye. And the, the application Jesus gives is, is, is on, on the self, not on another person. Like I'm even making it external to another person right now. The application is to preach it to yourself. Have I removed the plank from my eye before I go to seek to to speak God's truth into another person's life? Because no way will I do that in a right heart. No way will I do that in truth and in righteousness and in godliness if, if I have a beam sticking out of my own eye. But notice he calls us to do this work. He says hypocrite, the one who doesn't remove the plank and goes to seek, to to remove the speck from another's. He says, first remove the plank from your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. He does not say the speck in your brother's eye isn't a big deal. You just worry about yourself and, and remove the plank and then go about your way. No, he calls us to a right judging. He calls us to accountability even within the body of Christ to, to speak into one another's lives and to help one another get the specks out of our eyes when the, the specks come and when the dirt is fallen into our eyes. He calls us to a right form of judging, a right form of correcting, a right form of accountability. But he says you'll never do it rightly until you first judge your own heart, until you first judge your own self in light of God's righteousness. And that puts you in a place of humility before God, not a place of arrogance and pride, but brokenness and and gratitude of the grace and mercy of God, you then can speak into another's life with that same grace and mercy that you have been given. You must avoid hypocritical judgmentalism. Judgmentalism is a sneaky sin It's a sneaky sin because it it, it sits so well beside a real pursuit of holiness. Like when your your heart really is set on following the Lord and living rightly before the Lord and living in obedience of all that He has commanded, it's easy for a spirit of judgmentalism to come alongside that without you even realizing it. And in your pursuit of living rightly, you can unknowingly let pride start to creep into your heart. And before long, you are that Pharisee with the um, tax collector, God, I thank God I'm not like I'm not like this man.
1: You know, I might have some sin, but it's not this guy's
0: sin. And judgmentalism creeps in, and you, you're not speaking to others in a way that is humble, in a way that's of the spirit of Christ. You can just name, my goodness, the different even denominational movements where that has, in time past, been such an issue, where legalism creeps in and judgmentalism creeps in, and the the detriment that it causes to the testimony of Jesus Christ Ray Pritchard gives some good practical advice, a good checklist to assess our own life spy to determine are we being judgmentalist you know judgmental in a way that is ungodly are we truly following the Lord and in humility discerning life Good little test I want to walk through with you some signs that you're being critical um, overly judgmental in your spirit blowing small things out of proportion? maximizing the sins of others their faults their uh, all their petty ways coming to quick hasty negative conclusions making mountains out of molehills getting involved in situations where you should not be involved just got to be a part of what's going on because you need to speak your two cents and make sure everything's done right passing along critical stories to others Gossip is often rooted in judgmentalism. Having a strong bias to find others guilty. They're guilty until proven innocent rather than innocent until proven guilty. Being too harsh even when speaking the truth. Even when things are true, you speak it in such a way that it just blows things up, that it hurts people in an unnecessary way, and it never brings healing. It never brings conviction. All it brings is division and separation adding aggravating remarks when telling a story, dismissing an unkind remark by saying, I was only joking, saying something critical and then trying to cover it up, being unkind and then quickly changing the subject, telling too many people about what others have done to us. Whenever you, in the grace that you've been shown, cannot give grace to another who's wronged you and you can't help but let everybody know the wrong they committed, that's often a sign of, of a spirit of judgmentalism, taking pleasure in condemning others, telling the truth in order to hurt and not help, putting others down in order to make yourself better, and then the last one, minimizing your sins while magnifying the sins of others. I was thinking, what's a good way to guard our heart? How do we guard our heart against this sort of judgmental spirit? I think it's amazing the way scripture and scripture go together, Old Testament and New Testament, even all the way back in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, we find these words that God says that he requires of us. He says you're to do justice, you're to love mercy, and you're to walk humbly before your God. You're familiar with those? They're some of the more well-quoted words within the Old Testament. To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. If you can enact that, follow that in your spiritual walk with the Lord you're going to guard your heart from judgmentalism, from hypocritical judgmentalism. Do justly. Okay, first of all, judge yourself. First of all, it's about you and your life and your walk before the Lord, and you judge yourself, and you ought to be doing justly in your life. And then that doesn't lead you to a spirit of arrogance and pride. It leads you to love mercy, that that you love the mercy you've been shown by God. And therefore you love the mercy you've been shown by God to be known by others who need that mercy. That when you speak to others, you speak as a broken sinner who has received the mercy and forgiveness of God to another broken sinner who needs the grace and the mercy of God. And that is what is ruling over your heart. Not arrogance, not this superficial self-righteous pursuit of God and living for God, but a true humility because of the grace you've been shown and a desire for that mercy to be known that God is glorified most when people come to see that mercy and come to God because of that mercy. And then to walk humbly before your God. To not be God in the judgment that you cast. Condemnation is God's. God will condemn. God will judge. All we do is speak forth as again... Lepers that have been healed, sinners that have been saved, to sinners and lepers that need healing and saving. We speak forth the light of God and brokenness and humility and dependence upon God. We are not the law givers. We are not even the law executors. God is. God will judge and make all things right someday. Judge yourself first. Love and mercy. Don't try to be God. You must avoid hypocritical judgmentalism, firstly. Notice, secondly, and briefly as I look at the clock, (laughs) how to judge rightly. You must embrace biblical discernment. Biblical discernment. John chapter 7 and verse 24, Jesus says, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. He calls us to judge with righteous judgment. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 15 says, "...but he who is spiritual judges all things." That there is a judgment that God calls us to. A a wise, right discerning of life and of the things of life and of the teachings of life, of the people even that God has brought around us, that we we judge in a righteous judgment. That the spiritual person judges all things. So in verse 6, now this is just my speculation by imagination. I like to think when Jesus was speaking these words about not judging, that you be not judged in that same fashion and what he just said about the speck and the log, I like to think the Pharisees began pitching a fit. I like to think the Pharisees started to mock Jesus even and were speaking up and being a little interruptive to where they were they were garnishing some of the attention of the audience. It's purely imagination. It's purely speculative. But, but that would the reasoning perhaps for why Jesus interjects this pretty harsh word in verse 6, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. Jesus says a right discernment is necessary even in the proclamation of the truth of God. That the fool is the one who argues with the scoffer, with the fool. They become a fool by doing such, the Proverbs tell us. The, the, the dogs were not little cute pets like we have in our day and age. The dogs were wild, street-roaming, savage dogs. They were wild, like a coyote even, so in some regard in today's day and age. They, they weren't cute little pets. It was a very derogatory thing to be called a dog. The, the pigs, the swine, were wild hogs, wild boar. Um, they were wild. This is dealing with people, humans, who are living in such, in such a profane way, in such a hardness of heart towards God, in such a deep immorality that to speak the things of God to them only results in mockery, only re- results in, in 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 their shame, even back get back at you. There's no reception. There's no. Um, Acknowledgement of the, the the goodness of the divine truth that you're you're speaking to them. Jesus says, "Hey, don't 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 waste all your time speaking to those that won't listen. Don't try to go do communion at, at the the bar or at a place where there is no regard for the holy things of God. They don't understand it. They're blinded. They're deceived. They mock it. They scoff it. They laugh at it. They persecute you because of it. It's like." It's like casting pearls before a pig. What is a pig going to do? A pig doesn't know a pearl from a rock. A pig stomps on it just like he'd stomp on any other rock. They recognize no beauty, no value, no goodness to it. Whereas we would look and say, the pearl contains much beauty. And the rock. The rock can be discarded under your foot. Jesus says we must exercise discernment, even in the, the, the proclamation of the gospel, so to speak, that we don't, we're to proclaim the gospel to all, but but we're not to foolishly argue over the gospel with people that aren't listening. Wipe the dust off your feet, he tells his disciples, in a little bit and go to the next city and preach to those who will listen. He continues, verse 15, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but are inwardly ravenous wolves. They look at the parts, so to speak. They talk the talk for a season, but he says what? You'll know them by their fruits. By their fruits, you can judge them. There's an application even to our own lives. By your fruits, you'll know the tree. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, you are to judge according to the fruit. Don't judge according to the words from a pulpit. What's the pastor like outside the pulpit? Don't don't judge a person based upon how well they look and act in this church house. What are they doing on Friday night? What are they doing on Saturday? How do they act Monday morning when they're speaking at their workplace in a difficult situation? God says you're going to know a tree by its fruit. A grape doesn't come from a thorn bush. A grape, good fruit doesn't come, or a fig doesn't come from thistles. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit and bad tree bears bad fruit. We must judge everything. We must judge everyone. The right judgment, a gracious judgment, a merciful judgment, a judgment that seeks redemption, that seeks restoration, that seeks the the glory of God, a judgment that's based upon the truth of God's Word and and a humble dependence upon the grace of God and mercy of God, even in our own lives, and our own righteousness. Christian is called to show unconditional love, but not called to show unconditional approval. You are called in your discerning of life, in your discerning of people, of your children, of your, your spouse, of your, your distant relatives, of your neighbor, of your co-workers, of your friends at school, of your friends at college, of your professors, of your preacher. You're called to have a discerning heart. You're called to be a Berean, to examine all things according to the Scriptures. You're called to 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 follow that which is good and hate that which is evil, put off that which is evil. You're, you're called to use the wisdom of God's Word to know what you ought to receive and what you ought to to, to condemn, what you ought to cast off. We are called to judge. But we are not called to hypocritical judgmentalism. We are not called to judge in such a way where our hearts are filled with such arrogance and pride that we ignore our own faults and our own brokenness. We cast stones at others as hypocrites, planks in our eyes as we're throwing stones at specks in other people's eyes. No. Rightly examine your heart. Rightly humble yourself under the judgment of God. Receive His grace and His mercy. Then and only then can you show unconditional love and yet also speak forth the truth of God, judging and discerning rightly all that is in your life. Heavenly Father, we come to You. And Lord, I pray You would give us the wisdom that Christ gives to us here in these verses. Or the wisdom to judge rightly all things in life, or to not let our our pursuit of you, even our obedience to your word, cause our hearts to get arrogant and built up in pride, uh, but to always live in light of the cross. To always know, if not for you, Christ's blood shed for us, Lord, we would not be saved. We would not be living for you. Lord, may that grace and that mercy so captivate our hearts and our attention that as we speak forth Your Word into very difficult situations in our day and age, people would never see a self-righteous, condemning spirit, but they would see Your love. They would see Your grace and Your mercy. Even as we, even as we cry out and proclaim, You can't do those things and get to heaven. Those things lead to hell. Lord, we need grace. They need Your grace. They need salvation. Christ was accomplished for them. May that be our driving motor.